0: You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Biz Beauty Network. We plan to bring some awesome content along with bonus episodes and our weekly podcast episodes to the Biz Beauty Network YouTube channel. We hope to see you there. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm super, super excited to share today's episode with you. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening. If you're on Apple, leave us a review. We would love to hear from you there. That really helps people to find us. And we are also on YouTube. So make sure that you subscribe to Biz Beauty Network on YouTube. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook and all of those great, great things. You can also connect with me at Brandy Taylor on Instagram and Facebook. And you want to share anything that you're loving about the podcast, screenshot it, share it in the stories, tag me there. I would love to hear from you. I have an awesome, awesome episode in store for you today. We're doing something a little different. I'm actually going live with the BMA, which is the Black Micropigmentation Association. I'm going live with them at 7 p.m. And this episode is dropping today at 8 p.m. So if you missed a live, I want you to go to YouTube. Just put in Biz Beauty Network and subscribe, listen, and check out the episode there. But this episode, we uh, actually pre-recorded it. And we're streaming a live chat about the interview today on YouTube. So I want you to check out the live chat and also listen to it on the podcast. But if you're here, you're obviously listening to it. But make sure you do both because I think it'll really tie everything in together. I had a phenomenal conversation. And let me share a little bit about the Black Micropigmentation Association. The Black Micropigmentation Association is a nonprofit organization that is committed to supporting inclusive PMU artists and beauty entrepreneurs through education, training, and community for all. The BMA formed on Clubhouse when international PMU artist Dior Davenport. Shalon Burris, Sharon Delvin, and Keisha Taylor came together to address the challenges of business and inclusive representation in the permanent makeup artistry. With over 24 years of collective industry experience, they envision a space for all beauty visionaries to realize their full potential doing what they love. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Make sure you check us out on YouTube as well. And here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor, and we have four awesome guests today. We're going to start off with Keisha Taylor, and we're going to have everyone else introduce themselves, but tell us something about yourself that most people would not know, and we'll start Hi, with you. Brandi.
1: Hi. Hi, Brandy. Thanks again for having us here. Most people do not know on the fun side that I roller skate as a hobby, so <laughs> I'm serious when it comes to business, but when it comes to fun, I roller skate as a hobby. And another fun fact is I'm a computer nerd, so I love analytics and SEO. Um, So those are two fun facts about me.
0: Also, Keisha, I have not roller skate. It's been so many years since I've been on roller skates.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it sounds like fun. How often do you get to roller skate? Well, now that the weather is warming up, I'll be, I like to roller skate outside. So I like to do like a lot of tricks and turns and ego spreads. Um, so when the summer comes, I, or spring, I roller skate about two to three days per week. Um, and I taught my daughter how to roller skate. So I've been roller skating ever since that, ever since I was four years old. So my mother was on a skate troupe, So I learned really easy, really fast.
0: Awesome. awesome I used to be really good at it but you know how they say if you don't use it you lose it so I don't know how it would be now I probably would fall down if I came to skate
1: with you <laughs> no you don't lose it you don't lose it it might take a, a minute to get back into your balance but you really don't lose it oh that's good to know
0: I'll have to try it then <laughs> well thanks for sharing what about you Shalane? Can you tell us something about yourself that most people would not know Oh, my goodness. I was just sitting there
2: thinking, I think everybody knows something about me because I run my mouth so much. So something that they wouldn't know that's fun about me. Oh, I used to be a kitchen beautician. (laughs) Everybody used to come to me to get their lashes, eyebrows, hair, anything, you name it. I would I would lay them out. But I don't like doing hair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting I remember I thought I would do hair because I could always make myself look good so everybody wanted me to make them look good but no I didn't have a passion for that at all so I feel you (laughs) yes I didn't have patience when they start turning their head opposite from what I
2: wanted to so I I would have been a horrible beautician horrible absolutely (laughs) (laughs) to
0: the side like (laughs) That, br- that brush poppy still, you know, get that goodie brush. Get, get oh my God, head. wait a minute. Like, I got it funny for you. So I do not have nappy hair. I, I start. I have to start it with this because I was thinking back to when my mom would do my hair and she would break combs and hit me upside the head. Like I had the nappiest hair in the world and, <laughs> and she, and I would be like, how was she breaking combs on
2: my hair? <laughs> Uh, yep. Yep. Probably leaving it dry and putting all that blue magic in it. <laughs> right? It. Yeah. That but, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. That's a fun fact. Pretty much everyone else knows that I'm really passionate about dentistry and curriculum development. I talk about it all the time. So I, I try to share as much of me as possible so that people feel like they have a connection to me. Um. But other than that, I need to find something fun to do. I uh, feel so like I don't have I need to. I can roller skate a little bit, Keisha. I mean, I'm not a <laughs> roll bouncer, but I can roll. <laughs> I might bounce when I fall, but you know, we might need to go roller roller skate.
0: <laughs> uh well, thanks to Sherry, What about you what about you, Sharron? Hi,
3: everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so my fun fact is, I don't know if it's fun, but it is something that a lot of people don't know about me. I feel my like mine's are so boring, but I do art, sketching art, and I also write poetry. So I know how to roll a sketch, and I have done a couple of years in the kitchen, <laughs> like shaline. But my thing is, um it's sketching. I like to sketch. As of lately, me and my uh, five-year-old, well, she's six, I'm sorry, Um, we've been sketch dresses and stuff like that, and I wore her a little sketch hat, um, so she's kind of taken after me. So I like to sketch art, you know, designs and gowns and suits and stuff like that. And um, I like to write poetry. I actually have like a poetry book I wrote years ago never published it I always you know think about doing it and maybe soon I'll take the leap since I didn't told everybody
0: (laughs) well that is that is great facts to share I mean the fact that you sketch and you teach and doing it with your daughter you're an artist so that's definitely fun for sure yes thank you thank you thanks for sharing so do you assure you a fun fact or something about yourself that most people would
4: not know Hey everyone! So a fun fun fact about me. Well, I think it's fun as I've been a professional actor for over eighteen years. Acting was my first love before I got into the beauty field, and I actually got into the beauty field in order to give me a way to be able to not be a poor actor. <laughs> so um, it's my love. I love to do it. I've been in. Um, I'm a stage actor. Been in so many different plays, and it's definitely my my first love.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you ladies for sharing. It was good getting to know a little bit about you. So Keisha, uh, tell us your beauty story. Like how
1: did you get into the beauty industry? oh wow! I've been in the beauty industry for over seventeen years, so I've been in it for a long time. The way I started is i started i'm an artist of course I started because I will always do designs like sharon and um I went to school for graphic design and so I was always intrigued by publication design. And this is when, I don't know, I'm telling my age, but this is when like Honey Magazine was out. And so I got into like beauty and decided that I wanted to open up a spa and didn't have no beauty background experience whatsoever and jumped out there, did that, um, was intrigued with brows took a class uh, with Damone Roberts in Beverly Hills and just been in the beauty industry ever since. Um, So I have owned salons and spas. Um, I always had a brow bar inside. So I've always done brows. I've even done brows out of my car. Like when I work like a nine to five job, people at my job always wanted me to do brows, do their brows in the car. And so I learned how to do brows with this is bad. Don't do this at home, people. But I learned how to do brows with Nair. Even today, I still use Nair on my brows. Really? Yes, because I learned how to customize it to the point where I can get like a nice, beautiful, uh, sculpted brow. Um, I couldn't do wax on my skin because wax was, my skin is too sensitive for wax. Uh, So I had to learn another way. But Uh, But everybody else, waxing, sculpting, tinting, um, that was always like my passion. And so I just kind of parlayed that into the permanent makeup industry. And here I am years later, still rocking and rolling with beauty. Awesome.
0: I'm still trying to picture you doing the brows in the car. Oh, (laughs) because I went to this this narrow thing. Uh
1: Oh my God, I would use a rat tail comb. You guys know the rat tail comb, the famous black rat tail comb. And I would dip it in the nair so I can get a straight line. And I still do that. Wow. And so I would just do it in the car and then we'll go like in the restroom and I would take a paper towel with cold water and wipe it off in the opposite direction. But I knew how to do brows. So I don't recommend that for people. (laughs) who don't
0: know how to do brows because nair can burn your skin for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely do not try that at home. But that's interesting. Uh, That's what I love about Black people. I was telling somebody the other day, like we are some of the most creative people. Like what I like about beauty is, is that like like if I'm on Instagram, there's always a new technique like you've never seen, you've never thought of. You like, who comes up with these things? Like, so I'm not surprised at all. We're so creative as a culture for sure yes for sure <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing so media tell us your beauty story like how did you get into the industry so um really how we got into
2: the industry like I said I've always been a part of kitchen Petition. and just like Keisha said I've done lashes in the back of the car laying the car seat all the way back and placing those ugly clumpy flares on people's lashes back in the day and their eyes would be just burned <laughs> water and I'm holding their eyes up like don't blink don't blink so I mean that's the same pathway and that's how we probably ended up getting together because we were all on that same pathway um so always having that in the background of me but I worked in dentistry and at the time I was pregnant and I got laid off by a, a doctor who just purchased our practice and I had been at that practice for about eight years and he fired three of us and so um I had ended up being laid off for almost a whole year until the Dior ends up getting laid off the exact date, a year that I was laid off from her um, company. And so from there, um, we ended up taking a, um, a beauty class and we were just well and before we took the beauty class we Dior was like let's go treat ourselves let's go get our lashes done you know we deserve this let's go go get our lashes done so we went and got our lashes done and Dior's over there counting the head sitting in the thing she's like well we paid a full set at this price and they paid full sets or half of that she said I know what we're gonna do I was like well what are we gonna do she was like we're doing lashes and I was like Okay. <laughs> so that's kind of how we got into doing the lashes and, and getting involved in that. And then from there, um, we've had our business, which is Shador, which stands for Shalon and Dior. Um, and so we got our business going from there and been in business ever since.
1: Dior.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I, I laugh at that story because I definitely was counting her money and I was like, oh, she's making a lot of money in here, and she was doing the lashes quick which lets me know she probably wasn't you know doing them correctly but you know we was still paying was- that money
0: she <laughs> wasn't doing them right because i got an eye infection so
2: yeah
4: like, oh yeah. wow <laughs> was she
0: doing lash extensions or was she, was it still those cluster ones no the they l- were lash
4: extensions oh, okay mm-hmm. lash extensions and um and it took off from there we went back to school and we researched when we didn't know that we had to be an esthetician in order to do lashes in our state and so we got into school and we actually fell in love with other things like body sugaring. And then that also added on to our services. Um, and we end up actually renting a small room in the back of a hair salon of a friend that Shalon knew. And we would sometimes share a client um, and do one eyebrow. She do one eyebrow. And we stood there consistent every single day, no matter if we had a client or not. And we built up our clientele just enough to move out on our own and get our own space. And I tell you, as soon as we moved out and we got our own space, our business took off. Um, and then from there, we fell in love and got interested in permanent makeup because through our love of brows. So um, it definitely was a journey, but uh, that's how we got started and how we ended up in this beauty beauty space.
0: Awesome! It's always interesting to hear the story, like the how people get into the beauty world. So,
3: Sharon, uh, share your story with us. I'm sorry. Um, well, I've been in the beauty industry probably about. Like fifteen years, um, initially, my husband I had a salon. He we had a unisex salon, and he cut hair. Although I did not do hair or anything like that, I was more behind the scenes with marketing, promotion. Um, and then when you know hair extensions and weeds and stuff came popular. I was like, hey, we need to start selling the hair. And that's how I became more involved. So my part in that was, you know, sourcing vendors and stuff overseas for hair extensions and hair weaves and stuff like that. And um, we did that for uh, 10 years. And then I kind of um, fell into PMU because I needed brows myself. <laughs> and so um, I went to someone who I had found on social media. Um, I, over a little bit, over five years ago, I found this person on social media. Um, I traveled all the way to New York to, well, I'm in Philly, so it's not that far, but I traveled to New York to get my brows done. And um, I fell in love with the process, the transformation, because I was drawing my brows in every day and Although I feel like I did a fairly good job because a lot of people were always ask me like, oh, you know, can you fill mine in? And I'm like, no, I only know how to do my, <laughs> I would not be able to, you know, do the same thing on you. So I got my brows done, fell in love with that transformation. And I think three months later is when I took a course after I got my brows done. And um, that's when Keisha and I met. And it, the rest is pretty much um, history. I've always did have a love for beauty. Um, But brows probably was always the thing that stood out to me the most because I didn't really have brows. The women in the family don't have a lot of brow hair. So I started filling mine in early on and I learned how to do microblading first. And then I was like, yeah, I need to do something else just, you know, outside of microblading. And then I just learned how to do permanent makeup altogether with, um, you know, eyeliner, lips and all of those other um, permanent makeup um services that we offer and that was it
0: well thanks for sharing it's just always interesting to see how people get into this industry so keisha like all of you ladies were already like in the beauty industry did you already know each other like how did you decide to uh come together and create this community
1: Okay. Well, this is like, it's Sharon explained like how we met. So I met Sharon five years ago in a class in New York and we didn't speak to each other during the whole class. But at the end, I don't even know, we were drinking wine and we like, Hey girl, you know, she's like the only other black person. And it's like, okay. So we connected at the end of the course and um, she came to the DMV and Um, did some shadowing at my shop, and we just been uh, friends ever since, ever since. And I met Dior through a trainer of mine um, who was training me on nano brows. And I kept asking her, well, how can I do it on black skin? And I couldn't really get an answer. And she said, look, go to these girls out Seattle. They'll show you everything you need. Tell them I sent you. And I was like, okay, so I had contacted Dior, scheduled um, my class with her to go train Nano with her. And um, she's become my mentor after that. Um, Shalon as well. So that's how I met those ladies, um, taking a course under them, under the Shador brand, taking Nano brows and learning from them. And then they came to um, the DMV area and did a class for me and we just been friends ever since, (laughs) so we definitely have a community connection in some kind of way. I guess I might be the center point um, because I met Sharon and I met the Shador sisters and then kind of brought everybody together as friends. And so it was like an instant connection. And then we ended up forming um, BMA, Um, but I'll let one of the other ladies kind of explain how BMA came to existence.
0: Dior, was that you ready for to explain?
4: <laughs> I was actually thinking, I was going to say Sharon because we always do that to Sharron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Sharron. <laughs> sure.
3: Um, so basically, during the pandemic, you know, everything was going on with, you know, race and all of this crazy stuff. And then there was this app, I'm sure a lot of people know about it or are on it, Clubhouse. And so a lot of black artists were on Clubhouse, permanent makeup artists, mind you. And the four of us, outside of us, we probably all only knew at the time, maybe another four artists that were black in the industry. And so when Clubhouse came about, we started seeing, wow, it's a lot more of black artists, um, permanent makeup artists in this industry. So, you know, after being on there for a while, we would do rooms, we would discuss all kinds of topics. around the permanent makeup um, industry, around the permanent makeup industry. And so we knew that there were a lot of things lacking, a lot of support lacking for black artists. Um, And so while everything was going on Clubhouse and Clubhouse started getting crazy and out of hand and everybody's having all these rooms, We were like, all right, let's step to the side and kind of form this group or to form this organization where we're going to support, highlight and, you know, educate black artists, because one thing. That was being talked about in these rooms was that oh you know we all were kind of told the same thing coming up and getting educated as black permanent makeup artists it's like you can't do this on black skin and you can't do that on black skin and we was like that's not true you know all of us can attest to that you know keisha shalane dior um dior and shalane have been you know really focusing on black skin for quite some time and so We were like, we need to get together and form a nonprofit organization that is gonna support these artists and let them know, like, hey, you have our support. You know, we can all come together to build a community because there's no reason why we should just now be finding out that there there are hundreds or thousands of other artists that are Black in this industry. And we're all being taught these myths, you might as well say, that you can't do this on Black artists and you can't do that. And so we formed Black Micropigmentation. It, um, we kind of started what? Almost a year ago. No, over a year, because I think we kind of made the decision around February of 2021, around that time. And we worked on it for months while everybody was still on Clubhouse. We were working, you know, planning, you know, trying to just create this um, organization. And then we launched in November. And so we're still building and trying to build our community. But that's basically it.
0: Now, what do you, now you talked about that there was like a lot of misinformation and there weren't many resources for Black people. But any one of you can answer this, like really dive into some of the things that you saw that was lacking for uh, Black PMU artists that made you decide, like, we need to put something together so that we could provide information to help educate, you know, the Black PMU artists that are out there in this Absolutely. i'll
4: chime in on that um what we saw was a lack of representation there were far too many conference lineups without our faces on it when we're asked to be speakers we're not you know it's only on specific topics like we only could be experts in black skin when a lot of us are experts on all skin diff, skin types even though we may specialize in black, black skin um that all these myths that we were trying to dispel and then there wasn't a lot of resources that really not only focus in on black, um black skin, but focused on the artists. I felt like in our community, we wanted to make sure that we are uplifting an underrepresented artists in the industry. Um, they weren't getting the education that they needed and they weren't, their talents weren't being showcased. We saw a lot of artists only start posting pictures of black models when a lot of the stuff with black lives matter happened. And that, you know, upset us a lot because we wanted to really point that out, that you've never put a Black model on your page. And now that this has happened, it's almost as like you're using it as a trend. And so we wanted to put a stop to all that and create a place where, one, Black artists can get proper education, they can be represented properly, that we can provide resources, whether it's, you know, in the future, providing classes and and scholarships or proper trainings And also to build a community um, that we felt was lacking. Because like Sharon said, there were so many Black artists that we had no idea even existed. So to really come together and build a community where they can feel like they have somewhere to go and that, you know, like Keisha said, she's not the only Black person in that class and that she can have an artist that looks like her and they can, you know, create and uplift each other. So that's really another reason why we formed BMA is we wanted. Artists to be able to say, "Ooh, hey, that organization. I see models that look like me. I see the founders that look like me and I see how successful they are. And we all know that representation matters.
0: Yes, I would agree. I think it's phenomenal that you guys are doing this. Um, that's part of the reason why I was interested in having you guys on the podcast, because I hadn't heard of anything for Black PMU artists at all, like any resources out there. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know there was such a thing. And I'm glad that you guys created a community to, you know, add value and to educate Black PMU artists. So um you started it like off of an idea on Clubhouse i think this is you know really interesting now how did you go about you know like really creating a community getting the word out there um you know did you did you receive any pushback like what was that process like for you ladies I wouldn't say we received any pushback. We definitely
2: received a lot of people trying to check it out and see what it was about and to make sure that, you know, is this just another Clubhouse group that's going to fizzle off? And so that's why we decided to leave Clubhouse and focus solely on building and structuring what is our brand going to look like? What are we going to do for PR? You know, so we really took our time to get our 501C done. So we had to have a mission statement. We had to have um, roles and responsibilities. And so We just took it very serious because it was really passionate to us that we um, we were going to form this this group. And, you know, we also wanted to let our members know and people that are interested in being coming a part of us that. BMA is about community and not competition. So all are welcome to sit at the table. And so if anyone has ever seen our videos that we talk about that, we talk about we had to build our own table so that people can understand that we are here and we don't need to sit at your table. We're going to make our table of gold. We're going to make our table of standard. And you're going to want to come at our table. And guess what? I'll invite you. You can have a seat. We won't treat you the way you treated us. So um, we just wanted to make sure that we took our time, that we laid it out, that we were serious about it. And these ladies are really easy to work with. They are about their business. They handle it. It has been great working with them hand in hand. And even my sister, a lot of people are like, how can you work with your sister? She's easy to work with. That girl can get things done. She is awesome. So I'm just blessed and thankful to have been, um, you know, a part of the founding crew that got BMA started is because we all had that same mentality, and we all wanted to make sure that we did it correctly, so that it's here for a lifetime, and we can create a legacy.
0: Great. Uh, the next question I was going to ask you Ron, was: You say you had to come up with your like your mission and your vision to to create a nonprofit. So, can you share a little bit about your mission and your vision overall for this um, for BMA? Um, Well, our mission, like Sharon
2: had mentioned it earlier, is to definitely support, highlight and educate like that is our our little theme in a nutshell is to support artists that are out there, highlight these artists that are out there doing well. And then also educate new artists that are interested in it, or re-educate, or continue to educate people that are already in the field. We're constantly taking classes. We can never stop learning. We can never stop getting enough education so that we can pour out to others. So we—that was really the the ground part of our um, our mission—is because you know we just want to dispel the myths, you know, because even them telling us as students that we can't do black skin, you go off thinking well, I can't tattoo Black skin, so now you're ta- you're turning away people. And it's not even so much, when I think about it, um, I'm all about conspiracy sometimes, but <laughs> when I think about it, I think about it a little deeper. Sometimes I think it wasn't told to us that we can't tattoo Black skin because they really couldn't tattoo Black skin. I felt like it was more told to us that we can't tattoo Black skin so we don't get Black tattoo artists, so we don't get these micropigmentation artists in the field, so... If you trick them and tell them that the skin can't work and that's their clientele, they're not going to go take a class of something they can't do, right? And so we want to switch that. We want to flip that. You, If they got skin, they can get tattooed and they, wherever it's going. So, you know what I mean? So um, that was really mostly um, the reason behind
0: everything. Is it more difficult for, you know, our skin because it's a little bit more pigment in the skin? So is there a different process? Is that why you think, Not at all, is it? I don't feel like it's different. I've had successful results from
2: um, clients that have been beyond the Fitzpatrick scale. And it's just a technique you know it's it's how you apply it it's the product that you use it's the needles that you use it's how well you go i mean and when i say well i mean like how well you're implanting that ink is um are you rushing are you taking your time are you is is the speed too high so it's a lot of technique behind getting it to stay and getting it to work and then you have to understand how the um skin heals as well too so um you know I, i just I haven't had a hard time with it you know it might not show up as heavily saturated as someone who's lighter but it's there and they can see that it's there and they're happy with it you know so in my personal opinion I don't I don't feel like there's anything that makes it harder all skin can be hard I've had Caucasian clients with the roughest toughest skin and ink wouldn't sit in there so but I still had to figure it out you know.
0: Well, great. Well, thanks for sharing. I was just curious, like, you know, what is, was the process harder and if that was why they would say something like that?
4: Oh, I don't No, definitely not the process being harder at all. It was the fact, like Shalon said, the lack of pigment choices, or we were only told you can use black pigment only, which is, you know, let you know that they were not educated on that, which is completely untrue. Never use black pigment <laughs> ever, um, or that um, almost. The myths such as our skin is tougher and you had to go harder and deeper and all these things, it's almost if we weren't human, uh-huh. um, which is <laughs> comes from a deeply rooted, as we know, you know, r- racism that is deeply rooted um, just in history in general, you know, that we have to work harder and tougher on the skin. So dispelling those myths are important to us because it's not, it, it goes deeper than just you know, the work that we do, and we want to make sure that one, that we're not harming our skin. We love beautiful black skin. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And we don't want people walking around with scars or hyperpigmentation or hypopigmentation because people are not trained properly. So BMA is here to properly train artists to prevent anything bad from happening. And so that way we can dispel those myths in the industry and become, you know, that, that voice um, of just in general, all skin types in the industry, but specializing in black skin.
0: Yeah, I think across the board, um, like our hair is hard, right? Like our everything. And I think sometimes it's hard because you don't know it, right? Like, so because you don't know it, it's a mystery. It is hard. It is something that like, even within the schools, they still don't really teach our hair, our skin and all of that. And I just really want to see a shift for that across the board, um, amongst the African-American community and people of color just being included within this industry for sure, and more education. So I think that it's phenomenal that you guys are providing this education for PMU artists and everything. Now, I know you have the membership. So like, tell us like, how does that work? Like, how does your membership work? And how would somebody get involved in this
1: community? Um, yes, yeah, so we have two different memberships and for, we have a free membership and we also have a paid membership. And so they can go to www.blackmicropigmentationassociation and select a membership that fits them. Um, Both of the memberships offer almost the same thing. Of course, uh, the paid membership offers like a little bit more and um, you get a little bit more training, but either way, an individual can get a lot of information just by signing up um, with BMA and following us on Instagram as well at Black Micropigmentation Association. And I also, Brandy, I also wanted to highlight that one of our missions is um, to actually include international artists. Like We're worldwide, um, Dior is in London as well. And so we are including Black artists in different regions of the world because they're experiencing the same um, things that we're experiencing here in the States. Um, so I just definitely wanted to highlight that on the mission part, but in order to join or be a part of our community, they just need to go to that website that I gave prior and just we would love to have you.
0: If you haven't heard of Gloss Genius and are serious about improving your beauty business, I suggest you check it out. Gloss Genius has become one of the industry's leading booking, marketing, and payment apps and is the only one that's smart, stylish, and here to support you. Tens of thousands of independent and small teams across salons or spas nationwide trust Gloss Genius to help them run their business. We can see why. You get beautiful, customized booking websites, easy client marketing tools, and the lowest fees on built-in payments and many more features for one low monthly price. The best part is that the Business Beauty Network podcast listeners get 20% off your monthly subscription, which makes your subscription under $20 per month. On top of that, the team at Gloss Genius will move all of your client info over, any notes, upcoming appointments, and services for free within a couple of days of signing up. To sign up for Gloss Genius, download the Gloss Genius app in your phone on the App Store and enter the code BBNBOSS. That's BBNBOSS. You will find more information in the show notes. Can you share some of like some of the resources or some of the benefits of becoming a member?
4: Yes, please. Yeah, no worries. So we have two memberships, like um, Keisha said, we have our Emerald membership, which is our free membership. And if you join us, Emerald member, you're going to get free monthly educational guides, which will help you through your career. We have a private forum for members to be able to ask questions, which is huge because we found out when we were early artists that nobody wanted to share information. Nobody wanted to tell their secrets. And so we created this forum so that way people can actually ask the questions and get the correct answers to some of the things they might be experiencing as artists. Also discount on products. Um, and then each member gets a membership seal to let uh, everybody know in the world that you're a member of BMA. And for our Onyx membership, which is our paid membership, Um, It includes all of those things, but also an inclusion of being in the directory of artists, which is huge. So if you wanted to train with a specific artist or collaborate, we wanted to create this collaboration platform that people can network and create opportunities within our community with each other um, and uh, um, access to our resources page. So like recommendations, not just on PMU, but business in general. So how do you build up your credit or, you know, how do you get things that are, allow you to be an entrepreneur in the business and not just an artist because a lot of us are artists but we don't know how to run a business so we also mm-hmm. provide that aspect as well um, stock photography we realized that a lot of those images for permanent makeup don't include us and so we, you'll notice that most of our articles that we have written for bma if you google have the same exact picture of the same black lady on them because nobody has pictures of pyramid makeup being performed on black, um, black people in general. So we decided to fill that void and offer stock photography in order to make it more diverse and inclusive. Um, We also offer membership forms and Afrocare cards. um, And those are some of the perks that are different from our paid membership. So either one that you join, we're going to take care of us. But in the paid membership, you're going to get a lot more resources to kind of catapult you in your career.
0: Wow, Dior, I think that's great. Um, you know, thanks for sharing that and really breaking all that down. Um, I The business portion, I want to uh, have you tap into that a little bit because it's so true. It is really hard um, building up your own beauty business. And honestly, like uh, thinking about permanent makeup, I can't think of a lot. Like I, I can't think of five per black permanent makeup artists in my area. I, can't, I couldn't tell you five. And so that's that's why I know that there's a need for it, and then there's a need for them learning how to market themselves and setting up in business. so let's talk about like some of the you know things that you you guys help with and support with,
1: and you see people struggling with that come into the community. Oh, I'm definitely gonna chime in on that, okay, so I think a lot of things that I think it's a misconception on starting a beauty business, especially like a permanent makeup or microblading business. Um, People see the money first. Um, so a lot of people or a lot of artists would start start their business on social media, but lack having the basic skill of creating a website, getting your SEO, getting your Google My Business page together. And that's why you can't find any in your area, because social media is not a substitute for a website. You know, that's something that you have to have. You have to have your your house in that space. Um, so. You know, just being properly educated on business is, like, top of the line for all of us here. Um, I even have some students, they just have, like, a booking page, and that drives me crazy. I'm like, okay, so you want to give, like, Style C all the hits, instead of having your own website and just having an embeddable link there. So I think it's just like missed education out there and people see the money first instead of doing the research. And then you have to go back to like old school marketing as well. I think Shalon, uh, Sharon touched on this the other day. Some people be like, well, I can't get any clients. You need to go out here and go get them. Go to the mall, go pass out your cards, go link up with hairstylists, go link up with other lash artists. It's so many ways to get business, not just on the social side. Um, so one of my missions is to get people to not look at social media and kind of start building their business organically because that's all you have. If, if social media drops, you need to be able to market your business. So that's my thoughts on one of the business sides. Um I'll let one of the other ladies share their thoughts as well.
0: Yeah, well, Keisha, you shared a lot, actually. Um, I think... Like social media is a tool and you can use it to market your business. But I do agree. You definitely need to have a website. So it's okay to have, like, if you have Blush Jeans, you can embed that stuff. If you have Acuity or something, you can embed that on your site. And if you have Square, Square offers free sites, you know, or it's not that much to get a domain. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I think, you know, people need to start thinking about that because for SEO, if you listed that you were a PMU artist in your local area and you use some of those tags in there, then when somebody was searching, they can find you. Like you said before, like they had a Google My Business and all of that. Even though a lot of people are tapping into that, there's a lot of people still not utilizing those free resources that can help you market your brand. And um, so I do. I absolutely agree. It's something that we need to do more of when it comes to um, running our business, just understand. And then the money piece as well, I think a lot of people look at this industry and they see dollar size. So people, especially some years ago, everybody was doing lash extensions and everybody wanted to do this microblading and all this stuff then. And it was really popular, but I think a lot of people were coming to my local area to do trainings for it. But I think people really only saw dollar signs instead of really seeing it as a business, really seeing it as a service that you can provide and really learning how to get good at a craft and not just looking at money. And I, to be honest, when I I first uh, became an esthetician and I just wanted to become a makeup artist, so I got my license and stuff. At first, it was dollar signs. It was like, okay, I'm going to make money. But then when I started to see that if I wanted to keep the dollars coming in I had to learn business right and then I had started had to shift my mindset when it came to business and that came later so I think that's absolutely great that those are some things that you guys tap into so who, who else wanted to kind of tap into like the business side of the beauty industry when it comes to PMU
3: I wanted to um, just chime in and kind of piggyback off of both, what, what the both of you have said. Another thing I think is lacking is um, professionalism. And that attributes to people just thinking it's a hustle. Like, I'm just, you know, I mean, of course, the money is good in the beauty industry. We all know that. I mean, women are always one-on-one to get their hair done, nails, lashes, you know, but however, there is especially I feel like in our communities, there is a lack of professionalism You know, no one wants to invest in their business and not even on, you know, a large scale and spending a lot of money, but just taking the proper steps to set your business up properly. You know, make sure that your clients are being treated, you know, respectfully, because that's another way of advertisement, word of mouth. I pride myself on building my business more so on word of mouth than anything. You know, um, once you have like the Google My Business and the website and all of those things set in place how your clients are being treated, your interaction with them, that goes a long way. It goes a long way. I've had families who who come to me and spread the word to neighbors and coworkers and your business will keep, you know, keep going and going just off of your reputation. So a lot of people lack professionalism. They take it as just like this hustle where they're just going to, you know, underbid, you know, whoever, who, who the other artists are in the industry, well, if this person is charging for, I'm going to charge $299 or I'm going to charge $199, you know, just to get a quick buck. But it's like, if you value your business and your worth and you investing in it and, the ed- and being educated and building it, you're not going to want to charge such a low number. You know, you're not going to want to charge somebody $199, especially to do permanent makeup service. You know, like that's unheard of, but yet people do it where, you know, you have someone like us and other artists who have been in this industry for a long time, who who has invested in marketing and, you know, educating themselves and are in it for the long haul. They're going to charge you a certain amount of money, but in return, you're going to get the expertise and the time and the knowledge And the skills that they have acquired by reinvesting in their business so many people you know overlook that and i think that that's very important when coming to this not not just this industry but any industry you want to reinvest in your business you want to be professional you want to you know set yourself apart from everybody else and say hey look over here this is what's going on. I'm professional. I have this going on. I'm educated. I'm knowledgeable. My clients are treated with respect. Um, And I think if you do that, then that will set you apart from a lot of other artists in any of the beauty industries.
0: Yes, I I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I, I I was looking for someone for services recently, and I got a referral. And the first thing I asked the person, like, is she professional? Because <laughs> I've had bad experience. I was looking for someone who could do my locks, and it's been hard to find somebody in the area. And when I found someone who gave me a recommendation, that was the first thing I asked. You know, is she professional? Um, You know, it's not going to be ghetto. Is it like where is she doing it at? And it is sad that I had to do that, but I've had so many bad experiences and and a lot of us have. And I want to see a shift across the board in the beauty industry when it comes to that. I think there needs to be some type of, you know, education on customer service and how to be professional and all those things. I think
4: there's a lack of education
0: across the board with that.
4: Absolutely. Actually, Shalon and I, when we first started, we used to get offended when clients would say, oh my gosh, you guys are so professional. And we would look at each other and go, what else would we, what else would we be? Because to us, that was always the standard. There, there wasn't something that we were trying to do. That was just the standard. And that's what allowed us to have clients for 12. Some of our clients have been with us 12 years from school, still our clientele. And people used to ask us, how do you get that retention? And it was just like Sharon said, being professional and always never assuming that your clients know something, always giving them information. So that way they're educated on what you're doing, announcing things, making sure that your infection control is on par. We would always announce, Hey, I'm going to go wash my hands. I'll be right back. So you know what that data made our clients feel comfortable. They knew that we were always making sure that they were okay. Um, And then allowing them to share parts of themselves with us. And your clientele will become like your family. I call the clientele, they're your your clientele that comes every couple of weeks like especially if you're doing services like lashes those are your rent payers those are the people who are going to keep your business going so you want to take care of them and you want to be there for them and you want to share parts of yourself and then also being that being professional also means don't share too much you know learn when to stop talking you know learn to allow your clients to relax and have a full experience because you have to make sure that you're touching all of their senses right you know so I think in our community, it's sad because, you know, they expect specifically Black artists in all the beauty industry to be unprofessional. And it is time for a shift. And it is time for the standard to be, you know, that we are professional. Um, and I will say it's unfortunate because our clientele that was not Black never questioned our professionalism once. It was always Black clients who came in and they would question our professionalism because of the experiences that they had prior and other aspects of beauty. So we definitely need a shift. Um, And I've experienced so many amazing Black um, uh, businesses that have the um, most amazing professionalism in the world. So I think it's time for a shift so that way clients can come in and feel feel like they're going to be treated and that their money is valued and that they're going to get the service that they deserve.
0: What are some ways that we can help the industry shift? Because I I see it across the board, like, you know, across the industry period, the beauty industry period, no matter what service, type of service you provide, I see it across the board. What are, you know, some
1: ways that we can, you know, help the industry shift? Well, one of the ways like what i do is we all offer training so in my training i include customer service so we have like a mock reception desk, and when you bring in your model where you have to do like your live practical you have to introduce yourself you have to do the things that you need to do as if you were in a professional setting so i think it starts with education and some of these schools and training academies, whether it's permanent makeup or hair or skin, uh, really need to incorporate that piece because of the lack of customer service. That's that's first and foremost. Like you don't even have to be the best. PMU artists, but if you got the best customer service, you will retain that client for years to come. None of us was good when we first started. I know I wasn't, I was like, oh my God, like what did I do to them people? But at the end of the day, I had great customer service and I understood business and I was able to sit down and take a look at everything and become better and better. Another thing is people don't wanna pay the money for education. They'll say, oh, well, this class costs this much or this costs this much or this artist costs this much. Okay, you know, you gonna get what you pay for. And those classes will not show you the proper way to do things. You cannot take a microblading training and combine it with ombre and lips and this and that. Like it takes like a long time to even learn microblading. So how are you going to learn lips on top of that? You know what I'm saying? Not in no three days you're not, you know. So um, it starts with education, so I would say like out to like trainers and academies is to start incorporating more customer service and professionalism into their programs so that when the students graduate and get certified they're going out here and they understand what to do. And they're not waiting for a client to tell them that they're not professional, you know, and that they already know how to be because they represent you. All my students who leave here, they represent me and my business. Um, so I don't want you going out here. So I'm constantly monitoring, like, why are you doing that? Don't post that picture. That has different lighting. I know they probably say, Miss Keisha, always on our stuff. But I'm doing it for a reason because I don't want them to come across unprofessional.
0: Yeah, Great tips. Thanks for sharing that, Keisha. I think that is definitely something that can be done. Just making sure that as educators, we're educating on that because we know that that's a missing piece in the industry for sure. Yes. Now, for someone like one of you mentioned it earlier, like, um, you know, some people charging very low prices in the industry and, you know, and, I, and I've i seen that across the board. I did lash extensions for years. And I remember um, having to compete with people that were doing lash extensions for 50 and $75 and stuff like that. And so people come to me like, you charge $199, like, well, Keisha down the street charge 50, like, well, that go to Keisha, <laughs> you know, because that's not what I charge. And then having people who would go to Keisha and then come back and say, oh my God, I had a bad experience. It was a white cast over my lashes when I for a few days when she first did them and it wouldn't go away and they wouldn't come off and for a month and all types of stuff. And I don't know what kind of glue she used. And then I would hear those types of things. And I decided that I wasn't going to base myself off a price. I was going to base myself off a customer experience. So if I did a way that I could really level up my experience, I was always looking at that, Uh, you know, for clients, for my clients. But how do you know? Because, like, like, like I think Duro was saying earlier, people don't want to really give you their goodies. They don't really tell you their secrets. They don't really want to give you a lot of information when you come into the industry. So, if you're just getting out of aesthetic school, maybe you've taken a, a class for microblading and you want to get into this thing, like, how do you, you know, know how to charge yourself? Do you look at the person down the street? Do you do a Google search? Do you ask? Like, how do you figure that out?
1: Uh, you should check. You should charge based on your experience and your value. No, you can't just be coming out of school charging $800, $900. You have to work your way to that. I don't recommend that people um, look at what everybody else is doing in the area and charge based on that because you don't know their story and you don't know why they're charging that amount. So I always say, ask your instructor, um, go to the... Um, support center at your school and kind of ask those questions or ask the trainer in advance like you know what should I charge like we we give a strategy chart um, so you know from zero to say in one month this is what you should be charging. And then when you get to month two, this is the level that you should be on and and what you should be charging. And you really shouldn't be charging full price until you got it down and you really understand the results that you're getting. Um, You know, I I wouldn't want to get no, you know, pay saying $300 for lash extensions and then they fall off the next day. But if I paid like $25 for them, then I'd be like, okay, you know what I'm saying? She learning, you know what I mean? But um, you can't can't undervalue yourself, but you can't overvalue yourself either. So you need to speak to a professional or a trainer or a mentor. Um, A mentor is always good to have because you can ask them questions and go back to them. Um, before you start charging because sometimes you know you just charge it to be charging and that goes
4: across the board with classes too because we see so many artists take one class and then all of a sudden they're hosting trainings and I'm just looking around going how are you training someone when you haven't mastered it yourself so don't be so quick to training yes trainings are going to bring you in more money but remember everything is your reputation your reputation as an artist your reputation as a business so you think that you've learned it And you've got it down from taking a three-day class. And now you want to teach other people. Well, you're going to be teaching people incorrectly. And then that's going to be your reputation and your business. So give yourself some grace to learn. I find that people who are really in this industry for the long run, whether it be anything in beauty, allow themselves to master one thing. Like Keisha said, not trying to learn five things at once. Once you've mastered something, you can master something else. Um, and take your time and allow that one thing you've mastered to bring in the money while you're learning something else that you can add to your your beauty your beauty menu. And we do that as well. We give like a chart for our students to kind of reference that way they're not charging off the bat. And then I monitor the students. I've had to nudge a few and go, okay, you're past this model fee. Come on now, raise your prices. You need to be charging this. Your work is this now. Uh, but I really try to let them see they need to at least see a good six to 10 Healed results, meaning after eight weeks, it's come back healed. Because that's going to tell you a lot about your work as an artist. If your results are coming back and ain't no strokes there, ain't no color there, then no, you don't need to be charging full price because the eyebrows are gone and they disappeared. Um, So kind of using that as their basis to to gauge when they should move forward in their pricing.
0: Yes, Dior. A lot of times when they just took a class and they want to teach a class, oftentimes they're not making money. doing the service so they see educators like oh my gosh she could charge like eight hundred dollars and you know and they figure like well let me teach it but they haven't even like you said mastered it or have done it long enough to teach it and but if they see dollar signs and that's just a whole nother thing with this industry that people will see dollar signs instead of really honing in on a craft and really becoming good at something when I did last year, I would tell like people I, I trained people and did one-to-one trainings and I would tell like be you need to before you really can charge something, you really need to do like 20 people. And I was like, once you've done 20 people, I said charge up a small, you know, 25, 30, just to replenish your uh kit feet, your kit stuff. But I would say do 20 people because this is going to give you a chance to see all these different lash limps and types of lashes. You'll see straight lashes, you'll see curl lashes, you'll see no lashes, a lot of like you'll see a variety of different eye shapes and different things so that you can be, you know, become more familiar. I say it takes about 20 people for you to start getting kind of comfortable lashing. And even then you still need to keep working on, you know, isolation and all those things. So yeah, so definitely people sometimes think that they're just going to come out the gate, make all this money, charge all this money when no, I like the I liked how Keisha was saying earlier, like kind of tear yourself. Like when you're starting out, you may be just charging a model fee so that you can learn and maybe replenish products, but you're not going to charge the full rate when you're just starting out. But just being okay with getting a proper education and um and just you know, staying on top of that and taking your time with that and knowing that you should be going up and I think that's why it's good to have a mentor because I've seen people who start off with $50 and then maybe they've done their 20, 30, 40 people and they've gotten good, but they're still stuck at that 50 because they don't know how to shift from 50 to a hundred or 200 at now. Cause it's like, I've always charged 50 and people get stuck there. And so it's good to have a mentor or a coach that can kind of help you and guide you through that. So I love that when you see people doing that DR, you're like, hey, you need to come up from that (laughs) that student level charging,
4: right? And
1: um, a lot of people or a lot of um, beauty pros or uh, aspiring beauty pros, they are looking at social media and they're looking at materialistic things before they book that trainer or that school. That don't mean anything like followers, materialistic things. That don't mean anything that you shouldn't go by that when you're picking the right school or training program to attend. Um, that I see a lot of that. I mean, a, a lot of people come to me and be like, "I I did this training and I didn't learn it." You okay? Well, why did you do that training? Well, I saw that person on Instagram. Okay, well, did you check their reviews? No, but but they had this and that. Okay, but why would you do that? Now you got to pay extra money to get properly educated. So I think people need to do their research and do it thoroughly and really understand that in our field, you are putting blades and needles into someone's skin. So you're doing like, you know, something close to cosmetic surgery, you know, you are just working on a face or, you know, um, the head or different parts of the body, but you need to be properly trained and you just can't go and watch and not do it. Like you really need to do it. And um, someone really needs to be there and and shadow you through that process. Um, So that's some of my tips is do your research, do your research, check out what other students are saying. That's my big thing. Look at students who graduated and see what they're doing. Reach out to those students and say, hey, um, you know, I want to take a class to Sharon or Dior. How, how were they? The students are going to be honest. You know, they're going to tell you the truth. You know, use that as a part of your research. Um, so I, I think research is, is something that's needed before we get into um, taking these classes and trainings.
0: Yes, definitely. I would agree with that. Um, so what are... So tell us, what are you excited about like right now when it comes to um, you to BMA and like are there anything that you guys have coming up or anything that you want to share with us? What are you excited about right now?
4: Yes, well, we got some conferences coming up that we're super excited about in a week. We're going to be Keisha and Sharon are going to be joining me here in London, England, and we're going to be speaking at the Professional Beauty Conference on the Sodesco track. And we're going to be talking about how to build your beauty business and uh, giving a live nano brow demonstration. Um, so we're super excited about that. And then Keisha and Sharon are going to be joining Shalon in Chicago, and they're going to be at a second professional beauty conference in Chicago the week after second week of April. So If you guys are in London, England or in Chicago, please join us. And we're going to be at a few more conferences this year. So please follow a Black Micropigmentation Association on our Instagram and our website and stay up to date um, with some of the conferences we're doing because all this information that we talked with you today, Brandy, and more, we're going to be sharing on stage. So uh, we're super excited about um, getting on stage and being able to share our love for what we do and to share BMA with the world.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And so any advice that you would give someone who is uh, looking to become a PMU artist right now?
3: I I would. Proper training, proper training. That is so important. I mean, we all have touched on it. Um, but I can't, we, I can't stress that enough. Proper training. And as um, Keisha mentioned, learning and getting more information about the person that you want to train with. Stop looking at material things, you know, get the proper training. Do not try to run and take a two-day or a one-day course where they are um, teaching you how to do four different things, you know, hyaluronic lips and, and lashes and ombre brows and all of those things no none of those things should be taught in the same weekend (laughs) not even in the same month most of the time so get the proper training that is so important Um, and really being sure that you are ready and prepared to you know invest in the proper training and building your business Do not, you know, so many people get discouraged so quickly after they take the course. they be like, oh, well, it's slow. I'm going to go learn how to do lashes. And I'm, no, if you get the proper training, that trainer is going to tell you, it's going to take some time. You have to build your portfolio, you know, and you're, you have to build a clientele slowly but surely. So proper training is the best advice to me that you can give someone.
0: Thanks, Sharon. Do you recommend that in addition to proper training, did you get your license, at least your aesthetics license?
3: It definitely will help to get um, an aesthetics license. It's not necessary, but it will help you along as I'm um, a permanent makeup artist for sure.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So I have one final question that I wanna ask all of you to share. And since you're all in the beauty industry, I think this will be really great. So can you tell us what has been the biggest lesson
1: that you have learned on your entrepreneurial journey? My biggest lesson is to invest in education and never stop learning. Um, Never stop. Always take in classes and always um, try to better yourself. And if you can, to get a business coach, because that is an important part uh, propelling your business forward and scaling it?
2: My biggest lesson is to learn how to say no, because not all money is good money. Turn a client down if it doesn't fit you. If you get a client that comes in and they are being super overly picky and they want this and it's taking you longer than 20 minutes to map out a bra, a bra, excuse me, a brow, then they're not the client for me. I'm not gonna spend that much time. I'm not gonna argue with you. We're not taking up to an hour, getting the shape right. No, No. just just to to as soon as you leave me, the brow's not gonna be right. And now you're gonna be complaining. And now you're gonna put my name out there as if I did something wrong. So learn how to tell a client, no, explain to the client before the service happens is that we have to both agree on the brow. If you don't agree and I don't agree, then we can't do the brown. I might not be the artist for you. So you have to be able to do it and say it in a professional way. You don't have to be rude or nasty. But being able to stand up for yourself and represent your brand that you're creating.
4: I would say don't be afraid to ask for help. We get I know I'm a person. I hate asking other people. You think you know it all. You want to do it on your own, but I cannot tell you the power in asking for help and building a community and having people around you who inspire you and that you can go to and bounce ideas off of I was luckily enough to be in business with my sister so if I was struggling she was able you know she's a, a teacher at heart she's an amazing instructor in all aspects and she knows how to break things down in a way for any learner so when I was struggling with things she was able to teach me in a way that was good for me so because I asked for that help and when I try to do things on my own and struggle you only can get so far and then being around Around people who inspire you, like, you know, Keisha and Sharon and my sister and the BMA, they inspire me when I see them doing well, I'm like, oh heck, I got to push the bar further. You know, I'm cheering them on. We're cheering each other on, but it also sets the bar for each other. So surrounding yourself with people who don't bring you down, who uplift your business and knowing that it's not always going to be your family. Everyone gets mad because when they start a business, their family members aren't coming in. I'm going to tell you now, your family members aren't your clientele. So don't get mad that they're not coming in and getting services done. Focus on your business, focus on your clientele, and don't let them be the starting point of how successful your business is going to be. So surround yourself with those people who inspire you. And I promise you, it's going to catapult you to another level that you never thought you can go to in your business. I would say
2: that... um... Sorry, let me add to the family part for Dior real quick, because your family, first of all, want you to do it for free. So if you want to do it for your family, do it when you want to practice. Don't do it when you want to make no money. Right. Okay. All Sharon. Right,
3: <laughs> That's OK. Um, I would say mastering your the, your craft is very important, important. Um, because when you are skillful and knowledgeable that exudes in your business you talk about it differently and you're able people are able to see that passion that you have that knowledge that you have you just present yourself in a different way when you've mastered that skill um, also to a certain, Level of you know monetary success, or you get busy. Um, start preparing yourself and outsourcing. You know things that you are no longer able to do or too busy to do. If you're making decent money, um, start having somebody you know help you with social media, or start having somebody you know, help you with, you know, the end of your business. Do not put too much pressure and think you have to be, you know, a jack of all trades. You got to do the books. You have to do this. You will burn out quickly when you try to do everything. So I feel like that is very important. And I learned the hard way. <laughs> so um, I burned out quickly. Um, and that is a real thing. You know, you chasing that money. The money is good. It's coming in. And next thing you know, you're overwhelmed because you're doing the books and you're doing this and you're the customer service person and you're the marketer and the graphic designer. You're doing all those things. And that's when your business starts falling apart a little bit. And then you have to hit the reset button and kind of take a few steps backwards just to go, you know, 10 steps ahead. So I definitely feel like those things are the lessons that I've learned in this business.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing ladies. So it has been so great learning more about BMA and all and having this conversation with all of you ladies. Um, Before we go, tell everybody how they
4: can connect with you and how they can, you know, find out more about BMA. So you can um, go on our website, uh, black micropigmentation association.com or please follow us on Instagram. Mike, It's Black Micropigmentation Associations abbreviated (laughs) ASSOC, and also on Facebook. And then we invite everyone to come out. We're going to be having some meet and greets at the cities that we're speaking in over the next couple of weeks. So we are gonna be uh, posting those events on our website. So if you are in those cities, we would love to meet you and greet you um, and just join as a member. If you're not ready to make the commitment as a paid member, we encourage you to join as a free member. And even if you're not in the permanent cosmetic industry yet and you're just thinking about it, or you just wanna be connected to other beauty pros that are just in the beauty industry in general, we still encourage you to join Black Micropigmentation Association.
0: Thank you so much. I will have all of the information in the show notes. As always, stay great and we are out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at You can also follow me on Instagram at I am taylor and Facebook at I am taylor. I want to connect with you, so let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.